Greece is a country on the southeastern side of Europe. It's the home of the start of Western civilization. It's where democracy's origins begin. Incredible food. I love myself a good baklava. First real evidence of human existence in this country dates back to more than 270,000 years ago. It also happens to be where Gary Parrish is right now, which means me, Matt Norlander, and Kyle Boone, we're about to take over this bad boy. I on College Basketball Podcast, Lego. GP's on the other side of the planet right now. In fact, we are recording this and he is 100% passed out. At least he better be passed out because it's like 3.30 a.m. in Greece at the moment. So, love to have this. KB, Kyle Boone is back. How you doing, bud? The strong jaw is doing well. Thanks okay. for having me on. Love to hear it. How is life in Oklahoma at the end of August? How's that weather treating you? It's good. Um, we escaped actually to Dallas for this past weekend. Got to uh, sightsee. Went to a Dallas or Texas Rangers game. Um, got some In and Out, some Shake Shack. So um, we didn't escape the hot weather, but it was a good like kind of weekend getaway and uh, feeling fresh. It was nice. Dig it, man. Yeah, this is good. Little change of pace here. Listen, summertime, get those vacation times in, and uh, so listeners get a little bit of a change of pace with me and KB. So great to be back. I was on a little bit of vacation here and there the past week or so, because also I had a few people reach out and be like, dude, why aren't you on the podcast? What's going on? (laughs) Some vacation time. We're back. We're good to go. Um, But yeah, August is done. Football season's around the corner. Louisville remains a hot mess. We'll get to that in a second. And conferences, by the way, they've taken a plot point from the early 2000s in reality television. They've lifted the idea of this this phony idea of an alliance from Survivor and applied it to their future existence as conference superpowers. It's just hysterical. But that's more for football than it is for hoops right now. Let's get into into Louisville um, because this came out Friday, and it's still relatively... Relatively warm news, if you will. So Chris Mack is going to serve, Kyle, he's going to serve a six-game suspension at the start of the season. And he will be unpaid. And what's interesting about it, not just that, that's that's a huge item in and of itself. Uh, Six-game unpaid suspension was not something that I'm sure Louisville wanted to do whatsoever. Now, this stems as fallout from basically the way that he handled the firing of former assistant Dino Gaudio and really Dino Gaudio and Luke Murray, who is now on staff at UConn. Um, We don't have all of the details as to why specifically it was six games and the unpaid part. I mean, clearly athletic director, director of Vince Tyra said on a media call Friday KB that by not having uh, human resources representative in the room when he terminated the uh, the employment or basically informed Gaudio and Luke Murray who are assistants are normally on renewing deals annually not always but that's usually how it goes in in men's college hoops there was no HR representative present and so that was a rule break among other things uh, by the way this whole extortion attempt by Gaudio also included allegations of NCAA violations, which Louisville is now being looked into by the NCAA. So there's a ton here. What were your, uh, I guess, biggest takeaways from this whole ordeal? Because for this for this to happen, you know, end of the summer, Louisville can't get through one month without a ridiculous headline. And Max serving six games, it's a big one. 
Yeah, it, there was a lot of things that took me by surprise with this story. Um, the first was the six-game suspension. That seems pretty substantial. Um, you know, the the too long didn't read version of this is that Mac essentially recorded his attempted firing of Dino Gaudio. Um, Gaudio uh, tried to extort Mac, saying essentially, you know, like you're going to pay me until I can retire in a year and a half. Um, and, and Gaudio is threatening to um, report these minor NCAA violations, among, among, among other things. Um, the six-game suspension feels pretty steep to me. And uh, the other thing I think that's, that stood out as part of the story, and credit to, to Pat Forty at, at Sports Illustrated for getting transcript of the audio, um, Gaudio basically calling Vince Tyra a bleeping toad um, – <laughs> Just, I mean, I just was laughing out loud reading that. Uh, I thought it was hilarious. Um, and he was he was basically feeding Mac, like, you need to go to Finn's Tyra and say, Dino's my guy. Mm-hmm. I got to take care of him. I want to pay him for a year. And it it's just really kind of a bizarre behind-the-scenes look at kind of how this situation was handled. And obviously, Louisville wasn't happy about it because they've s- suspended Mac for six games without pay. Um, but if you're in Chris Mack's shoes, like outside of have not having an HR rep there, like I'd, maybe, maybe there's more to this story that we don't know, but it seems like he handled it fairly well. And obviously he knew he was recording because he's the one who did the recording. Um, but it, it seems to me like maybe just a little too steep of a punishment. Um, that was kind of my initial like takeaways from, from reading that story. There's got to be more there. This doesn't. Yeah. This doesn't smell like a six-game suspension to me. I'll get to that part in a second because there was some more local reporting from Eric Crawford, who for a long, long time has done a wonderful job covering um, sports and Louisville hoops in that area. I'll read you briefly. This, so this is you mentioned forty getting the um, the audio, and then at SI they transcribed it. Apparently, portions of this were have been played on sports radio in Louisville uh, in recent days as well. Always for a good time, I'm sure. Here is Gaudio's... It's not the opening salvo, because I'm guessing the transcript of this just starts where it gets interesting. So this is the earliest part we have of it, and this is uh, about four graphs worth. Um, If you haven't read it or heard it, uh, here's what Gaudio tells Mac. And again, Mac has been... Mac has informed Gaudio that he's just not going to renew his contract. He's not going to be... He's not going to have a job anymore, and that means he's not going to get paid anymore. And so here's Gaudio. He goes, you're not renewing my contract, and you're paying me for a year and a half, all right? You're paying me for a year and a half. Here's why. Take on some role play here, okay? Last time this happened to me, the last time this happened to me, I took the high road. I took the high road. I didn't say anything. Said all the good things. That bleep affected my family, my career, my livelihood. That ain't happening again. That ain't happening again. See, let me show you something. You're going to think long and hard about this one, dude. You're going to be thinking long and hard about this one. See? It says in my contract here, if there's anything about NCAA violations, I'm supposed to talk to John Carnes. I'm supposed to talk to Vince Tyra. I'm supposed to talk to all those guys. And you know what? I bleeping will. I bleeping will. Those GAs all practicing with us? Illegal. Illegal. I've got documentation from when she called me in the summer, when we were emailing each other and texting each other. I'm talking about Jeff Waltz, when Christine, whatever her name was, came in here and said, those guys working out in the summer, they can't do that. That's illegal. All that bleep, those 30 for 30 recruiting videos I have, that bleeps bleeping illegal. That bleeps 
bleeping illegal. That's my Dino Gaudio right there. That's the opening salvo, if you will. Mac asked why he didn't say anything. And then here's another one. Oh, man. He goes, I don't want to be here. So you know what you're doing? You're going to bleeping pay me. Between you and me, dude, you can go tell Vince, hey, Vince, I don't care what the bleep you tell him. Vince, Dino's my guy. I'm going to pay for him in his year and a half. He can retire at 66. I'm going to take care of him. That's what we can do. And you know what? That's what we're going to do, or else I'm going to bleeping John Carnes. I'm going to bleeping Tim Sullivan. I'm going to bleeping Billis, Vital, Frischilla. Side note, there's no Norlander, no Parrish, what? All those bleeping guys. That's the way this is going to bleeping go down, dude. That's the way this is going to bleeping go down. I bleeping helped you get... uh, Brackets, former Louisville player. You didn't know who the bleeping player was until I came back. And Pat told me, I helped you with freaking two others. Are you bleeping, bleeping me? Amazing, dude. This is all God. He is fired up, and rightfully so. And uh, as for your toad comment, last one, he goes, so here's what you're going to do. This stays right here between you and me for about mm, 24 hours. You go tell that bleeping toad over there, Vince Tyra, Dino's my guy. I got to take care of him. I want to pay him for a year, okay? Then none of this bleep. Bleeping happens. Got it? Wow. Wow. And then amid all this, KB, Mac offers to pay like Dino out of his own pocket, whether or not he actually meant it. Who knows whether that even suggestion was up for potential review for discipline. We don't know. But as Parrish and I mentioned on a previous podcast, like a lot of this is tremendously sad because Dino Gaudio helped recruit Chris Mack when he was a player. They've known each other forever. And in many ways, Gaudio was a mentor to Mack. And then this is the business side of it, you know? Like, Mack knew he needed to make changes. Louisville's been good under Mack, not great. He's 57 and 28 in three seasons, two of which were NCAA tournament level teams. And last season's team, you'll remember, you remember last season? They were the first one out. Do you remember that? We all got fooled by it, right? His ACC finishes are tied for sixth, tied for second, and seventh. He's heading into year four of a seven-year deal. His buyout's currently around five mil. And a level two violation, did you see this? A level two violation would trigger a termination clause in his contract if the university wishes to pursue and the violation was found to be true by the NCAA. It's tough, yeah. Um, The extortion attempt with just like the most minor of potential violations is hysterical first of all um and him just saying illegal illegal bleeping illegal incredible uh, just yeah. cracks me up gaudio going on to say like i'll turn 66 and a half at whatever date and saying like i can get you my birth certificate i can prove it i can show you um just another hysterical part of this story um if i think if you're chris mack you had to make some sort of changes after last season. I think it, it was pretty evident. The season was was good, not great. They go 13-7, and seven, uh, didn't make the tournament, and I think they just needed to shake things up. And that was essentially the vibe that I got in reading the transcript from, from Chris Mack and, and Dino Gaudio. It's, 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 not, it's not a personal thing. He just wanted to shake it up. He, he wanted to change the chemistry with the coaching staff, and he was torn up about firing or not renewing Gaudio's contract. And that, that came through pretty clear in, in kind of the transcript and, and reading the story. So it's, 
it really like we're laughing about it, but it it really is sad. I think it really is sad um, for for Mac having to deal with this, just knowing that the history that these two have. Um, for Gaudio, you know, getting charged in the, in this case and and facing probation is is pretty heartbreaking, especially because he is so old. You know, he's he's basically about to retire, and just a, a silly mistake in the heat of the moment it uh, it got him, and it's it's just a kind of a sad situation all the way around. How about this irony though? So. Gaudio, like this whole thing came out and the, the AD Tyra on his teleconference Friday with the media, he said this wasn't intentional. Maybe that's the case, maybe it's not. I don't know, but the timing was wild. Like Louisville announces all this stuff on like late Friday morning. Gaudio was getting his sentence that afternoon in Louisville. And irony of all ironies here, like Gaudio pled guilty to extortion, was sentenced to one year of probation and it cost him 10 grand. Meanwhile, Mac, who like is doing this kind of protect himself, 221K, so much more. And and really, I mean, they're both publicly embarrassed at this point. Mac still got his job, obviously, and and he kind of awaits to see what'll come from this stuff with the NCAA. This doesn't even, by the way, as a reminder, like Louisville still hasn't heard with the FBI stuff. That's the other thing where it gets interesting is that Mac's contract, he gets a bonus year. He's on a seven-year deal. He gets a year eight if the team gets slapped with a postseason ban from from the FBI stuff, or even if it receives a scholarship reduction penalty resulting with fewer than 11 scholarship players, that's per the language in his deal that he signed when he got the job there. So we'll wait and see on that. But at the same time, I mentioned Crawford's reporting, Eric Crawford. Uh, This is from his story on Monday. Quote, over the past several weeks, some trustees have been increasingly dissatisfied with Max Roll in the extortion incident, though not necessarily his taping of the conversation or even his decision to cut loose two top assistants. But they are, sources say, unhappy with some of the things Max said on the tape and that the first version of the tape Max shared apparently may not have been a complete version. KB, I mean that's that's a that's that's a little bit of a twist there because we've we've apparently gone from Chris Mack being the best possible replacement for in effect Rick Pitino, although Paget took over the program and under the you know tough circumstances there's no guy that was better to suddenly like You've you've got some some trustees involved with the university who are you know starting to have just concerns like where Louisville is right now. It, it just it can't be it can't be in this situation. It is, but after all the noise from the Patino era, to to look up and head into the season with what went down with Gaudio Mac, you know, taping the conversation, Louisville officials and or the local police department like forwarding it on to the FBI like. It's just phenomenal. It really is phenomenal that this university continues to step in it the way that it does. And it's just another thing, right? I mean, it's just another thing for Louisville because you get another he- headline with Louisville as the main story and it's another scandal. Um, it just feels like once or twice every three months or so, Louisville is completely making a mockery of itself. Um, by this time, I think a lot of people expected that Chris Back would have Louisville completely rolling. Now the FBI scandal continues to kind of loom over this entire program and we'll wait to see what comes of that. But, you know, this is, this is not great for the Louisville program. Obviously this is not good for Chris Mack either. Um, I, I mentioned earlier that the transcript painted Chris Mack in a pretty good light. And maybe that's potentially because he didn't 
give the entire transcript. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Um, so this is this is just it's just another thing I think for Louisville to have to deal with on top of many other things that they've had to deal with. You know, under Mac, dating back to Rick Pitino, scandal after scandal. Um, it's it's hilarious. Uh, they are always a content factory. They're always producing something. This is just kind of the latest uh, mockery that they have made, again, of themselves. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. You've got the H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on those dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or the third-row seating gets your whole family in to experience the thrill together. The dual wireless charging pads make sure that no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead cell phone. Think about those adventurous activities you can do, like me taking a ski trip up with the family, maybe going on a camping expedition, anything and everything. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the 2-Way at newbalance.com. Other news from Monday, I wanted to have a little fun here. So uh, Kentucky announced its non-conference schedule, and actually so did so did Michigan. So at this point, we've got uh, either outright verification through official releases from teams um, or a clear enough indication from one team in particular who we'll get to here on non-conference scheduling and where some of the Blue Bloods and preseason like elite teams are, uh, are set to play for this upcoming season, knock on wood. COVID, uh, hopefully notwithstanding there. So we're going to look at seven programs who are set up for some varying types of non-conference schedules. Here are the schools. We're going to look at Kansas, Michigan, Gonzaga, Kentucky, UCLA, North Carolina, and of course, Duke. So we'll take these one by one. I'm going to have, I'm going to have Kyle here grade Grade the the opponents that have been listed here. Obviously, all of these teams have non-conference fodder, buy games, so to speak. Just forgettable teams in like the low hundreds, mid two hundreds, even three hundreds. We're not even counting that stuff for now. Okay, we're talking about the notable games on the board here. So we'll start with Kansas. I've got Kansas down for seven notable games. They're versus Michigan State on a neutral, obviously Champions Classic to start the season. November 25 to 28, they're in the ESPN Events Invitational. This would have been the event they would have played in last season before COVID got in the way. And their second game of that will either be against Dayton or Miami. I would qualify both those as just barely notable, but notable nonetheless. And then We'll either play Alabama or Belmont, most likely. Potentially Drake or Iona. But I'm going to count Bama or Belmont. Both preseason top 25 worthy, potentially. Belmont really could be a preseason top 30 team. That'll be on November 28. And then they're December 3 at St. John's. Looking forward to that one because that's just that's a random one, but I love it. December 11, 
Home to Missouri. The rivalry returns December 21 at Colorado. And then their last non-conference game is that Big 12 SEC Challenge. It'll be Kentucky at Kansas. So, yeah, the Jayhawks are going to host Kentucky. Um, what's your grade for this one, KB? Yeah, I'm going to preface this first by saying that looking back on some of these grades that I handed out, I feel a little bit like GP when he was doing the the live grades oh for the NBA draft. Oh, no. Um I was I was pretty dang kind on most of these. This is actually Kansas got the worst grade of everyone. It looks like, and they still got to be um, the worst point, grade. Yeah, they got yeah. seven notable games. All right, it's it's, it's fine. It's fine. Um, there's there's a few that I'm not particularly interested in. Big points for the border war. Obviously, it's the first time since 2012 that KU and Missouri will play. Um, the Izzo versus Self storyline. On November 9th on a neutral court, I think it's going to be pretty interesting. Self has a four and four record at Kansas versus Izzo in Michigan State. And then the Kentucky game on January 29th on my birthday. Uh, it's going to be a home game versus Kentucky. It's six years and one day removed, actually, from a pretty epic overtime game between the two. And That's that right. also took place in Lawrence. Kansas won that game 90 to 84. And Kansas has won three of the last four matchups in the series against Kentucky. So I think this is a pretty solid schedule. Um, not particularly interested in the road game against St. John's. I'm As a Big 12 kind of close follower, I'm interested in the road game against Colorado, but not entirely sure that is a needle mover. So I just stuck with a B. Okay, so a couple things here. So you're more yeah. grading on like general appeal of the games. Yes. Okay. That's fine. Um, how long ago did you say that Kentucky-Kansas game was a little more than six years ago? Yeah. Uh, so January 29th will be six years and one day removed from that game. So it was 2016. I believe it was January 30th, 2016. I was at that game. That's one of the loudest venues. Like, wow. I'm not counting like, you know, football stadium, Final Four, Nova wins the title. I'm not counting that. I'm talking like in a basketball venue – insanely loud awesome game Kentucky Kansas 2016 that was that was my first time to fog Allen that was good stuff I do love that Kansas has two roadies at St. John's at Colorado they yep. have seven notable games every other team we're going to get to here no one has as many as seven again if you're going to count Dayton Miami as a like if you're playing Miami you're playing a power conference team I'm going to count that as a notable and Dayton we'll see how good they wind up being there um Kansas versus Bama would be a game everyone would want to see in that uh, mm -hmm. in that Thanksgiving week kind of style. That opener against Michigan State is going to com be completely overshadowed by another one. People that know how this works know what I'm talking about. We'll get there in a second. By the way, I've got a best of the rest de designation here. Kansas' best of the rest is a neutral against UTEP, but it's, it's a neutral. Like a lot of these teams' best of the rest is a home game. Kansas is going to play UTEP in Kansas City. Okay, let's go to Michigan. Announced its schedule on Monday. It's got six notable games. November 16, home to Seton Hall in the Gavit Games. November 19, at UNLV. And then in that event, two days later, November 21, we'll either play Arizona or Wichita State. Both real good chance to be NCAA tournament teams. December 1, ACC Big Ten Challenge at North Carolina. We'd love to see it. Two, two roadies, they're not done. December 4th, home to San Diego State. I'll get to that in a second. And then December 30th is at UCF, their best of the rest game. They actually open the season at home against Buffalo, which could be the best team in the MAC. Michigan's got a solid non-conference schedule overall. How are we grading it? So I lied. 
Um, Michigan actually got the worst grade of everyone on oh this list. God. They got a, they got a B minus. They got three road games. Okay, again, that's they, fine. They, you you don't find appeal in this. They are going three times road non conference. We absolutely love it. Oh yeah, I love I love the courage. Uh, schedule aggressively. Uh, go Gonzaga. I think I think the tougher you schedule, the better you will be rewarded in the long term. Um, but they get dinged a little bit for the lack of games. I think lack of marquee games and also the fact that uh, some of these games aren't, aren't particularly interesting to me. Um, I love the road tilt versus North Carolina on December 1st. Hunter Dickinson versus Armando Baycott is, is going to be amazing. Um, mm-hmm. Very excited to see how some of these first-time coaches fare against this Michigan team. Uh, First-year coach at Arizona under Tommy Lloyd. Has a lot of really interesting pieces. That team should be pretty good. Uh, this is the first official year under Isaac Brown for Wichita State. Obviously, he was interim last year. Uh, led by a rising star in Tyson Etienne, who I know you are very, very high on. And first year under Hubert Davis at North Carolina as he takes the wings from Roy Williams. So uh, this is a really loaded schedule. There's not a lot of games, but... I think all of these games will be must-watch next season. Michigan's going to be really good, and some of these non-conference games uh, should be pretty interesting, I would think. Also at UNLV, Kevin Kruger, first-year yep. coach. A lot of yep. them in there. That's a good little uh, good little plot point to pick up on that. Yeah, I'm just loving Juwan Howard, you know, not being scared here because obviously we'll have a national title contender. Three roadies in the non-con? That's good stuff right there. Now, if you unexpectedly drop you know, drop one at either Vegas or UCF, then, you know, you're kind of scratching your head wondering what was I thinking, and I get all that. Yeah. But he's still young enough in his head coaching career that uh, I, I, I love it. So this is uh, no team we're going to talk about has more road conference games outside of league play than Michigan. Six notable ones. Looking forward to it. Now, they got that December 4 at home to San Diego State, and the reason was that was the replacement to the Kentucky game. Now, Kentucky and Michigan have scheduled to play each other in London next year. But around that neutral game, which got pushed because of COVID, they also had a home-and-home scheduled around it. So this season was supposed to be one of the on-campus games. The schools have different wording as to why this happened. Kentucky is saying, due to, quote, scheduling changes, end quote, Uh, and referencing the pandemic. Uh, It's not going to happen this season, but they're in conversations to try and make it happen again. Michigan reads, due to the uncertainties with scheduling, the Wildcats elected not to play this season. UM and Kentucky are still scheduled to play at London's O2 Arena in December of 2022, and continued discussions are being made to reschedule both home games. I'm not going to make a huge deal out of this. We'll get to Kentucky's non-con in a minute here. Uh, Michigan's got more than enough. Would it have been great to see Kentucky versus Michigan this season? Quite clearly, yes, it would have, in particular because Howard's got a a national championship contender. And, heck, maybe we'll look up and see Kentucky's got one as well. If not, potentially like a top 20-level team. We just don't have it. And the question becomes, can they get this done after the uh, the London game in 22 where they're playing in non-con in 2023? We would hope so. But this allows for something of an out for these schools. And when you're talking Michigan and Kentucky, Kentucky's a top two program of, uh, of interest and following, obviously. And Michigan, because of its Big Ten ties, uh, it's like top ten. So losing that's just a little bit of a stinger. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, Shout-outs to Juwan Howard because he's being totally courageous, totally fearless in his scheduling. Yeah, I think he's he knows he's got a really good team. And uh, I can't wait to see it. I think, I think they're going to be really good next season. 
Yeah, that home against Buffalo is just a great tune-up. Michigan should win, but Buffalo's yeah. good. Like that, that's yeah. a that's a that's a good one there. Um, all right, Gonzaga's next. Six notable non-con games. Now, Gonzaga's interesting because they play obviously in the WCC. There are only sixteen league games, and I'm pretty certain that everyone in the league except Gonzaga wants to go to eighteen. And Gonzaga's like, nope. But what makes it ironic is that Gonzaga doesn't keep their league at sixteen. And then completely fill up like those two league games they lose. They never replace those with two high-powered non-conference opponents. They basically fill them up with with buy game fodder. But Gonzaga has six notable games now. Gonzaga is the only school here that has not officially released its schedule. But my understanding is the teams I'm about to read to you, those are going to be all the the notable games. Like the games that have not been announced yet, they're going to be buy games. So there's not going to be some. Interesting game against a top 75 team from a power conference that hasn't been announced yet. Uh, barring something changing at the literally last minute, I don't believe that's uh, in the cards for Gonzaga. November 13, home to Texas. That's going to be Gonzaga's highest. Like, Texas probably preseason top five. We'll see where they land in the official AP ranking when that game comes. But that's probably going to be Gonzaga's highest rated opponent at the kennel ever. November 13, home to Texas. Then they're November 23, UCLA on a neutral. November 26, Duke on a neutral. Both those games are in Vegas. Gonzaga will stay out there for like five days. December 4, Alabama on a quasi-neutral KB. Battle in Seattle. Uh, that'll be potentially two top 10 teams. December 12th, home to Washington. And then December 18, Texas Tech on a neutral. So that's six games. Here's the surprising thing. If you paid attention to when I read those off, what's missing, KB? Trivia time. What's missing from that? Ooh. Uh, Not necessarily a team, but just home to Texas, UCLA on a neutral, Duke on a neutral, yep. Alabama on a quasi-neutral, home to Washington, Texas Tech on a neutral. What's missing? I, I don't know. What's the, missing? There's no road game. Oh, you're right. Gonzaga almost always plays at least run road game against a legitimate opponent. Don't know why this is the case. I'm pretty sure... I I want to say, I'm pretty sure they've got two returning games next year where they're gonna go on the road. Like I, they might. I don't know this to be a fact, but like maybe they're playing at Bama or maybe they'll play at Texas Tech. I don't know. But anyway, it is interesting. They're best of the rest, by the way. Here's how bad it is. Like they're just direct everywhere else. At the, as of this point, it's probably December 28th at home versus North Alabama. Everything else is terrible. No road game. Could be the best team in the country without a. You know, a Q1 non-con opportunity, at least on the road, that'll be intriguing. What's your grade? What do you think my grade is? You threw me with Michigan and and <laughs> Kansas altogether. <laughs> uh, you love Texas. You love UCLA. Duke against yep. K. Bama. You know what? Come on now. I'm saying you're going A- minus here. It is. It is an A-. minus. Uh, this is a good schedule. Very appealing. Uh, obviously, we don't have the full non-conference schedule yet, but holy smokes, this is good. Uh, Final Four rematch between Gonzaga and UCLA. Yes, please. Uh, Home bout versus Texas and a Chris Beard team in his first year that should be really, really good, really, really loaded, really experienced, heavy on transfers, as Chris Beard does. And then the the neutral court game versus Duke, I think, is going to be just phenomenal. There's going to be so many NBA scouts at this game. I am hoping that one of us can make it out there because Paolo Bancaro, AJ Griffin, uh, Chad Holmgren, Drew Timmy. This is uh, there's going to be a lot of talent in this game, and I like the schedule overall. I know it's it's not great in terms of depth, but the 
high end opportunities that Gonzaga is going to have. I mean, Texas could be a top five team. UCLA could be a top five team. Duke is going to be right there as well. Alabama, I think, will be top 20-ish. So, yeah, I, I like the schedule a whole lot for Gonzaga. All right, let's move on to Kentucky. Team four of this seven-team exercise. Yep. Five notable games for Calipari's Wildcats. November 9, Duke on a neutral. Champions Classic to open the season. That's what's going to overshadow Kansas and Michigan State. I'm telling you right now, the TV time is not Kansas-Michigan State is going to be the first game, and Duke and Kentucky will be the nightcap. That is lock of the century there. The first game of Coach K's final season. Uh, again, knock on wood, pandemic allowing, I fully anticipate on being at the Garden to to cover that and what a sight that should should be. Um, two days late, or no, sorry, a month and two days later, so Kentucky opens November 9, Duke on a neutral. Its next notable game is December 11. At Notre Dame, praise Mike Bray for getting Cal to play a road game that he wasn't absolutely forced to do. This is speaks to Mike Bray's character as well as anything I can possibly think of there. December 11 at Notre Dame. December 18, UK will play Ohio State on a neutral in, of course, the CBS Sports Classic in Las Vegas. And then December 22, home to Louisville. And then we mentioned that January 29 game at Kansas. So Kentucky's got five notable non-cons, two of them on the road. We love to see it. And the other two on a neutral. It's only notable non-con game at home is against Louisville. And that'll come with plenty of urgency for both sides. That will certainly be intriguing. Kentucky, barring the unthinkable, will be favored in that game. Mm -hmm. Their best of the rest is probably November 19th at home to Ohio, which lost Jason Preston to the league, but will be a top three team in the MAC. Like, good enough, right? It's good enough. Uh, that's, by the way, the Kentucky Classic. The first Kentucky Classic. Kentucky is hosting its own MTE. Not the only school in the rundown here that's doing so. All right. Let's grade these cats. It's an A. It's an A. It's pretty good. Season open reverse Duke inside Madison Square Garden. Oh, yes. Uh, home versus Louisville on December 22nd is an auto mention. Uh, last year, we got some petty wars with with Chris Mack. Uh, hopefully, we'll get some petty wars in the lead up to this one There's as well. There's no shot that Chris Mack is doing this again. As much as I would love it, you and I both know, like he just doesn't have that leash anymore. He had it last year. Not happening. We'll see how we'll see how they start the season. Uh, maybe maybe he's feeling himself in the lead up to this game. He's got some time to catch some fire. Um, January 29th game, we already mentioned Kansas uh, should be very good. Kentucky has a pretty old team, a lot of transfers and experience. Very similar to the Kansas team that Bill Self will have next season. Um, yeah, I, I think this is a this is a pretty solid grade. And then I gave Kentucky an extra little boost because on December 31st, they are going to play host to High Point, which, as you know, is coached by none other than Tubby Smith, who won a national championship with Kentucky. How much do we love that, by the way? We love it. We love to see it. We love to see this. I mean, yeah. Tubby Smith obviously won the 98 National Championship. Aside from that, he went to the Elite Eight three other times. Had two other, had, uh, two other Sweet 16 runs. Went 263 and 83 in his time with UK. He was... I remember, like recognizing it in the moment. And I understand like why that it ended and all that, but I always felt that he was unfairly lampooned. Some of that had to do with him, you know, playing a son, Saul at point, which Saul Smith should not have been running the point for a few of those Kentucky teams. Uh, I think that's something most people would agree on, but he just, it, it's funny. Like K Kentucky fans wouldn't change where they are now having gotten Cal, 
But weirdly, and they they probably wouldn't change anything because in, in getting rid of Tubby, and then that leads him down to Billy Gillespie, and that's a, a disaster. And then they basically save the program by getting the right guy at the right time. Like, no one's been better suited to run a program like Kentucky than Cal. Like, it's, I understand he only has one national championship and all that, but um, Cal did a really good thing uh, earlier on Monday when he announced, this was in advance of Kentucky releasing its non-conference schedule. He said, we're going to release our non-conference schedule today. And... He said, on December 31, we're going to host High Point and welcome back Coach Tubby Smith into Rupp Arena for the first time since his days as coach. We are working on some ways to honor Tubby and his time here, and I can't wait to fill the BBN, BBN in in the near future. And um, they'll do it right. This is just another example of Cal being a master when it comes to uh, PR. This is 100% the right thing to do, and this will be New Year's Eve. I don't know how good High Point will or won't be. Kentucky will probably win by 31, but whatever. That's that's a, a long overdue gesture. And the fact that Tubby is still even coaching and they can do this. You know, think about that. Tubby Smith could have easily just stopped coaching after Memphis and never gotten this moment. Coaching at his alma mater, great stuff. Absolutely. 263 and 83 as Kentucky's coach. Won 10 SEC titles combined with regular season, postseason. And he's already a UK Athletics Hall of Famer. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how they honor him. What what uh, what should be his play up song when he rolls into the into the stadium oh. into the arena? I, I vote uh, I vote Umbop. Some Hanson. <laughs> okay. Why? I don't know. Late nineties hit? Why not? He was a late nineties hit at Kentucky. I'm going a late '90s hit. In, sure. uh, yeah, you're thinking like '97, '98. Yeah, yeah. We're gonna do it in real time. Hold on, August 30th, 1998, music charts. What was the number one hit? What was the number one song on the radio? August 30th. Oh, '98. The boy is mine. Brandy and Monica. I do remember that. Yeah, I do remember that being about this time of year. '98. Um. I'm not going Mbop, but I'm thinking maybe like... Not with the Hanson song. No, no, no. I'd have to... I don't know. I I wouldn't say like how you like me now because they're they're liking them just fine at high point. They're not exactly... uh, Good cue, though. Um, No one tubbies. Actually, when I did the... When I did every coach's favorite band NCAA tournament thing, that would have been 2016, I think. I want to say Tubby was on track to make the tournament, and he straight up picked a an like a legit artist out of the '60s. I can't remember who it was, but it was phenomenal. And I was like, "Yes, this absolutely makes sense." All right, let's continue on. UCLA, like Kentucky, has five notable games. Yep, man, I love this. They got some some goodies here. I can't wait for your grade on this one. But they have November twelfth at home to Villanova. Come on mm-hmm. now, that's that's great stuff there. I mean, a reminder here. Let's 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 rewind a second. You're going to get November 12th, UCLA Nova. Then the next day, November 13, it's going to be Gonzaga, Texas. Come on now, great stuff. So good. This is after earlier in the week we're getting Champions Classic and all that stuff. So it'll be November 23, neutral against Gonzaga, of course, in Vegas. November 27, another team at UNLV. Kevin Kruger is getting. I, I don't know what happened to allow UNLV to to get these games in at at Thomas and Mac. Kruger, more power to you. December 11 at Marquette. And then December 18, CBS Sports Classic. They're going to play North Carolina. So that's five games, two of them roadies. Vegas, Marquette, both winnable. See, I think that's great for Cronin. Could you lose either one? Sure. 
if you're truly a top five, top ten level team, you should win both. First-year coaches, you pick good spots against Power Conference Marquette and then UNLV, multi-bid, you know, conference, maybe top 120 kind of team. That's a Q2 win probably. You set yourself up for success. Best of the rest is November 9th, home to Cal State Bakersfield. They were 132 in Kempom. Not a lot left on the bone for UCLA, but it's got five good ones. What's the grade? It's a B plus for UCLA. Do you think that's too too high, too low, just right? Um, I go B because they didn't have a sixth notable game, but five is yeah. five is still good. You got the rematch versus Gonzaga, which is basically, in my opinion, as we head into the season, the only game that means more is Duke Kentucky to start the season with K champions. That's the only game that means more than the final four rematch, but I would just go a, a hair lower than you. Yeah. And the, the Nova game is just phenomenal. I, I think probably one of the better early season games of the college basketball season next year uh, could be two final four teams. Honestly, Nova gets Colin Gillespie, Gillespie back. Um, he was just recently cleared. So uh, signs are pointing up for Villanova uh, they return Jermaine Samuels, Justin Moore. Um, the neutral game versus North Carolina should be really good. UCLA obviously gets Johnny Juzang back and Jaime Jaquez. Uh, they're adding five-star Peyton Watson, who could be a one-and-done lottery pick type of player. So I'm really, really excited to see what the fighting Mick Cronins will look like next season. There's a lot of hype, obviously, because you know they made a Final Four run last year, and I think people think they are equipped to do exactly that next season. Um, we'll, we'll see kind of what this team looks like. They'll be tested early with some really, really quality games. Nova and Gonzaga in, in a two week span is, is going to be phenomenal. And uh, I can't wait to watch that. Let me give you the floor again here, KB. Um, I don't know where I'm going to put UCLA in my preseason one to three fifty. What are we up to now? Three fifty eight. I don't even know. Um, GP's got them two. I don't think I'll have them too. Remember, they got in first four, final four run. Yep. I think you have to put them preseason top ten. I'm just not sure where. Blindly, like where where are you putting them? Are we are you are you on the overrated, underrated, properly rated? Like where are you thinking here? I think two's a little bit rich for me. Um definitely very much in on Gonzaga being number one. I'm glad that GP made that move. Um I think that's right. I would put UCLA in like the five to eight range, probably. Um, I think I like Texas a little bit more. I think I like uh, Kansas a little bit more, Villanova. And probably I would take Michigan and Memphis. Um, and then Duke there as well. So they would be uh, just behind those schools. Definitely top 10. To me, not quite top five. But if you want to put them top five, if GP wants to put them at number two, just based off what we saw to end the season, who they bring back, and who they have enrolled with with Peyton Watson, the most notable addition there. Um, I've got no problem with that. I, I think more likely UCLA next season will be the best team in the Pac-12, but not necessarily um, like a lock to be a top five team uh, throughout the season. And I think they'll be more of like what we saw throughout the regular season last year as opposed to what we saw in the postseason. There's a chance, yeah, they could be, they could ping pong a little bit. Um, the one thing that I do like that happened last season is they went through a stretch where they won like 12 out of 13 in non-con. Now, of course, they had some easy wins in there, but they also beat the likes of, 
you know, Utah, well, I say this is non-con. This was around the non-con scheduling when they had the Pac-12 had its whole, whole weird deal there. Um, but Utah, Colorado, Marquette, um, I don't know. They, they, they demonstrated an ability to pull together some wins, and it wasn't a situation, basically. It was like they never won more than three games in a row and somehow pieced together an at-large um, resume there. So I'm not going to go two. I won't go three. Maybe four will be. We'll, we'll see where we hit on that. Okay, so if you've been paying attention, you'll notice that I've been going more notable games uh, to fewer to less, right? So seven and six and six and six. You see, I had five. We're down to Carolina. Going to Tobacco Road for our final two. We got Carolina, then Duke. Carolina, I got four notable games. Hubert Davis is his first season, okay? Yep. So they got November 20th. They got Purdue on a neutral in my state here. Nutmeg State, Connecticut, Hall of Fame tip-off. And then the next day, depending on how the game goes, they'll they'll have another good game no matter what. They'll either play Tennessee or Villanova. Both those teams will be ranked in the preseason. So November 20 and then 21, Purdue, and then either Vols or VU. December 1, as we mentioned before, home to Michigan. Good opportunity there for Hubert. And then December 18, as we've mentioned before, they will play UCLA in a neutral at the CBS Sports Classic out at T-Mobile Arena. So that's four notable games. The best of the rest. How about this? How about Roy Williams leaving this on the desk for Hubert Davis? I actually love this. And I hope that Hubert would continue this, although I don't think he will, and he certainly is under zero obligation to do so. But Carolina is contracted to play a road game at College of Charleston. Roy Williams, on an annual basis, would throw in a road game at some team, whether whether it was locally or there was a player who it would have been like a homecoming kind of deal. He just played a road game against a, an opponent that, frankly, only the likes of you know Tom Izzo, Mark Few, very few coaches would schedule this. So best of the rest is November 16, UNC at College of Charleston. Not quite notable, but it is a road non-conference game and uh, none of the other four I mentioned. I'm going to guess your grade here. You're going to hate it. Well, you got you got to like Purdue. I think you love this. I'm going to go a I'm going to say I wish it was more than 4, but I don't blame Hubert year 1. I'm going to say you go A minus. I gave him an A plus. A plus, um, you're out of your mind. Yeah. I know. I'm a nice teacher. Uh, this is phenomenal though. Purdue team I think could be the best in the Big 10. Jaden Ivey, Travion Williams, Zach Eady. It's a really good team. I think that's going to be a quality non-conference uh, schedule and, and a matchup for them. Uh, potential Tennessee game could be a spot where you see five-star guard Kennedy Chandler take on uh, former five-star guard Caleb Love for North Carolina. Love that potential matchup. Um, and then the potential Villanova game, you know, Nova obviously getting Gillespie back. And um, that team, I think, is is going to be a top-five team. So, I again... I don't love the the depth of this schedule, but the top end test for North Carolina next season, first year under Hubert Davis, I think it is uh, it's pretty good, and uh, it's the only A plus that I actually gave out on this on this list here. You're a double underscore guy, right? Absolutely. All right. So for the Kansas fans who you did hear correctly, Kansas seven notable games. <laughs> or you at a C minus? What's that? D plus for Kansas? Yeah. Carolina, yes. four notable games. A plus. Kyle, underscore, underscore. That's a double underscore. Boone. Find my guy and do follow him on Twitter. Kansas fans, occasionally, they let that passion, and they, they let it run wild. <laughs> Please let it run wild on my guy. All right, last one. Duke. Oh, you know what I'm about to do here. 
Let's see if let's see if I hit the right one here. This is blind. I haven't hit the buttons in a long time. What do we got? Let's go. Okay, let's, let's go. go. Come on, Duke. I love it. Let's how about another one? Let's go, Duke. Come on. You know what I can guarantee didn't happen when Mike Shashevsky was building out the schedule? It was very middle very little uh Let's go, Duke. Come on. Because this thing. Going blind on one more. I don't know if this is a defense one. We might we might be in for a surprise here. Let's just roll with it. <laughs> let's go back. This is let's go back to uh, to Mike Krzyzewski building out the schedule. Oh, I love Duke and um, uh, final year, but can't have too many tough ones here, guys. No, no. You know, um, I'm thinking. Uh, what do we have in uh, what's that? Oh, that's what's that opening one? It's uh, it's uh, yeah. Um, Champions Classic, yeah. We who who do we have to play there? Okay, Kentucky, yeah. Um, all right, and then we got the uh, we got the ACC Big Ten Challenge, yeah. Okay. Um, all right, so we can do one more. We can do one more game, and uh, you know, yeah, um, uh, yeah, Gonzaga. Okay, and that's that's just some horrendous podcasting, but I couldn't be happier at it. Um. November 9, did I actually just do that? November 9, Kentucky on a neutral. November 26, Gonzaga on a neutral. Come on, Duke. Come on, Kay. November 30th at Ohio State. They have three notable games in Mike Krzyzewski's final season. In some odd way, this is an homage to the way that he is scheduled from a non-conference standpoint. It's Mike Krzyzewski. He can do whatever the heck he wants. After last season, not making the tournament, I get it. Like, you want to make sure you're going to the NCAA tournament in your final year. This is it. This is it. Don't get the sense we're going to get a Jay Leno out of Coach K here. But KB, if you grade this an A, I'm giving you a chance right now to change your grade because there is 0% chance this deserves anything in the A category. Three games, one of them's on the road, but that's it. Only three. Lay it on me. Yeah, it's a C minus. Okay. It's uh it's not a it's not a good schedule. It's not a good schedule. Now I'm I'm very optimistic that these games will be good. These these premier games, November 9th versus Kentucky. Um Coach K is six and two all time versus Kentucky, two and one versus Kentucky since Cal took over the program. Um Duke's gonna be pretty good. Palo Bancaro. AJ Griffin, I think both two potential top 10-ish players next season in college basketball. I don't know where you stand on that. Uh, definitely two potential top five draft picks in 2022 draft. Um, but yeah, they, you know, I, I would have liked to have seen them schedule a little bit more aggressively. It's, it's the farewell tour for Coach K. Um, and in fitting fashion, they are just going out with a whimper um, it, with the schedule. Now, they've got the ACC slate. It, it will be a lot of test for them next season, but yeah, they, they definitely could have done a lot more, and so yeah, they get they get to see here. Yeah, I mean, it's just, listen, it's a lost opportunity, and it's really for college basketball fans more than anything else. Mike Krzyzewski is concerned about getting a schedule together that allows his team to be challenged, but not too challenged before you have a 20 game uh, league schedule. I will say best of the rest is November 12 against army. And that's my, um, my conspiracy theory is so the army Duke thing has been in the works for basically a year, maybe even a year plus at this point 
We came to learn in June that this would be Mike Krzyzewski's last season. I think that like he doesn't play Army, okay? that That's not like an every year, every other year, every five-year kind of thing. I think somewhere, once he knew he was scheduling Army for, Duke's got its Veterans Day weekend showcase. It's, that's its, its MTE this season. When Army came up, I think that's really when he started to consider this is going to be it. Because I do, this is fitting, right? I mean, the fact that he's going to go against his alma mater where he got his coaching start, we like this, right? We, lo- we love it. Yeah, it's great. It's great. It's, it's uh, akin to Tubby Smith coming back to Kentucky. Like yeah, it's exactly. It's a good story. I like it. We do, we do like that. So that's a, that's a wonderful touch there. That MTE also includes a game against the Camel, Campbell Fighting Camels. That's right. Um, but, I mean, my thing is, like, you had to mix in a meetup with, like, Fran O'Hanlon's Lafayette Leopards, Dustin Kearns's <laughs> App State Mountaineers, or like the Bulldogs, the Citadel. I love Duger Balcom, but come on, man. It would have been nice to at least get like just one more high-profile game. Mix in a Purdue, yeah. Creighton. Hello, Maryland. See, that's what I think this is missing. Just play Maryland once on the way out. It's Duke, Coach K, final year. He could have basically picked any opponent and, in fact, did – and made it happen. Instead, there's just a little too much filler, and that's too bad. Only three notable games for Duke. We'll cherish the opening night against Kentucky. The one against Gonzaga will be great. And then at Ohio State, that's a good road opportunity. But in reality, like most of December, Duke's going to be an afterthought. Unless it loses and it becomes a story. But if Duke's winning by 14 points against these mid-majors, there's just not going to be a ton there outside of you know, opposing coaches giving really awkward, and this one I'm rooting for, like really awkward and borderline inappropriate, like goodbye gifts, just stuff he has no desire to take. Like that's what we have to root for. And that's just wouldn't, that shouldn't be the situation, KB. But that's going to be will still December. be the story regardless. Now the schedule stinks. It's not great. There's a lot of filler. Duke is still going to be the story. They're going to beat, you know, the Lafayette Snow Leopards or whoever you just said. Um, and, but it'd still be, Coach K and farewell tour. And you'll see a lot of coverage of that because they are Duke and it is coach K. It is a farewell tour. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it leaves a lot to be desired. They're just the leopards. Fran O'Hanlon been rocking it at Lafayette since 95. He's got, Bayheim's going to be the most tenured. And then I think it's McKillop. And then we're we're looking at like uh, O'Hanlon Izzo territory, but he'll be like one of the five most five longest tenured uh, men's D one coaches in the game there. So uh, for all I know, O'Hanlon and Kay are just like drinking buddies, and this goes back to the late seventies. <laughs> I have no idea. The dude's as old as Kay. He's he's se- he just turned seventy three. So um, I get it. So anyway, that is uh, that's a nice little look at at seven. Notable teams is, you know, the best of what they've got on the non-constantly. I wanted to give you something here. It's been a slow August for the most part. I get that. You had your Memphis stuff and your Bates stuff. College football's coming. But let's, you know, wanted to peek over the hill. Look at, look into that distant horizon and see what we've got coming on the slate here and give you guys a, an idea because no doubt about it, I'm sure most of you, unless you're a fan of these teams, you weren't quite aware of what the non-conference was offering. So that's... Uh, that's a decent batch of it there as we get ready for uh, for Labor Day weekend in September to turn the corner. September is traditionally, it really is like outside of like headlines that shouldn't be headlines, like things that shouldn't be happening. Like September should be the slowest month of the calendar for men's college basketball before we get into 
practices and you know October being preseason stuff. So we wait and uh, we wait and see on that. If you enjoyed the sounds of Kyle Boone, I know you didn't enjoy me, but if you enjoyed the sounds of KB, I need you to get over to Apple Pods. Okay, I need you to leave a review. I want your questions. We need. We're gonna do another mailbag here in September and give us. Everything you got. Absurd, genuine interest and intrigue on teams. Just don't, like, don't leave this like, what chances is my team making in the tournament? Like, we don't want that. D- anything just, that makes us laugh or is just like a, a really thought-provoking question. Drop them in. We will do another huge mailbag episode. That got great response there. And, heck, I'd love to even cameo you in that, KB. Because we're, you're, listen, I knew we were going to get you in the mix on this pod, Okay. Have I ta- have I pulled a parish and talked on 80% of this thing? Of course I have. It's great. Of course I have. But it's been a while, so I had a lot to get out there. You know? You got anything else? Yeah. Um, what do you got? I think we need to get your official Imani Bates reaction because we, you were uh, I don't on vacation. We, I don't. Th- how about this? We don't need that. I mean, I appreciate it, but I think we're we doing a disservice to GP so much on this podcast. Your, we talk yeah. about Memphis so much on this podcast. Like have, I will say this. Memphis segment. Sorry. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I actually have a column on Penny Hardaway and Bates and all that stuff. That's going up Tuesday. So this po- this podcast, we're recording this late Monday. And um, this will go up overnight because my oldest son starts his first day at kindergarten tomorrow. So that's just going to be an opera. That's going to be going through stuff. Okay. Can't wait for it, but uh, that's exciting. So um, my point is we will have on the site a column on Penny Hardaway in Memphis. If you want my thoughts, I encourage you to bring up the CBS Sports app on your phone or go to cbsports.com, the college basketball section, and you can go read about it there. But I don't think I need to populate the podcast with more Memphis thoughts. We're going to talk about it like literally at least once a week, and I'm ready for it. But no GP, we can, we can spare the Memphis talk. Okay, I've got a trivia time for the road. Fire away. Okay, so Imani Bates and Jalen Duran committing to Memphis give Memphis two top five recruits committed to the school in the same cycle for just the seventh time since 2003. It's actually far far more than I actually expected going into this research. Uh, This is as far back as the 247 Sports Composite goes. Can you name the other six times the players that were top five in the same class committed to the same school. Okay, so I think our most dedicated listeners, you guys, set me straight if I'm wrong on this. I feel like there's a chance that some sort of trivia time that Parrish laid on me was similar to this Mm. in the past three, four months, but I could be wrong. Um. I so think you should it, know this then. I think, I think this is the episode. How about this? Well, I don't know if Parrish will listen to this episode or not. He's in Greece. He better not. GP, you better not be listening to this on your vacation. Yeah. I Like, disgraceful if you are. Zero. The, he better not be listening to this. Because hell, no, hell, hell no, I didn't listen to the Bates episode. <laughs> um, anyway, I'm going to drop the R.J. Barrett bit here. This is where this is the episode it ends. I'm just not going to tell Parrish. Then I'm dropping the R.J. Barrett bit. It's done. It's retired right here. Barrett and Zion are one of the... Oh, you, how many are there? Six or seven? I got to get six? Uh, there's six 
Seven if you include Memphis and Imani gotcha. Bates. Gotcha. Okay. Yep. Barrett and Zion are one. Yep. I'm going to ask, we're not going to keep the listeners here for 15 minutes of me guessing. So I'm going to ask this. Is there another Duke combo? There is one other Duke combo. By the way, Reddish was also in that group. Yeah. He was a top five player in the class. Give me Jaleel Okafor, Justice Winslow. Nope. Give me... Parker was his own deal. Rivers was his own deal. I feel like Bagley was his own deal. Am I sniffing the right track here? Like none of those classes would qualify? Yep. Correct. Give me... So it wasn't Okafor. I feel like Ingram was his own deal. Correct. Yep. Who am I missing? You're sniffing right around it. Oh, you know what? How about this one? Although I don't know if this... Yeah, it counts because he's got hurt out. How about this? Mm-hmm. Give it to me. Giles Harry and Tatum. Giles, Giles yeah. and Tatum. Yep. Okay. Giles and Tatum. There yep. we go. There we go. In 16. Yep. yep. All right. Uh, man, Harry, talk about one of the, like the all-time... Man, he was just so awesome in high school. Uh, all right. You said since 03? Yep, since 03. There are three... Kentucky instances on oh this boy. list. Oh, boy. Okay, so we're going Monk and Fox. <clears throat> nope. You know what? That's, that's yeah, that's my bad. Uh, okay, so uh, we're obviously going Wall and Cousins. Correct. Yep. 2009, Wall and Cousins. We're Top going, uh, if memory serves, Davis is highest. Mm-hmm. I want to say Terrence Jones is the other one. No. It's not TJ. Nope. Kid Gilchrist went second in the draw. Was it Kid Gilchrist? It was. It was, yes. okay. Yep, 2011. And then Cat would have been... Uh, it's not the Cat class. It's not the Cat class. Nope. Okay, that helps. Um, Not the Cat class, not the Monk class. It's not the class that I expected. I know that. Here's the problem with Kentucky, man. Unless you're a UK fan, like, every year, there's dudes. Yeah, and, like, the past, like, four or five, they started to blend together. I'm going to go, this is the last one that you tell me. I'm going to say it's the, um, this is going to be wrong, but I'm going to say it's the Kevin Knox class. No, okay. farther back, 2013, uh, Kentucky class had Julius Randle and Andrew Harrison. Uh, Aaron Harrison in that class was number six. James Young in that class was number nine. Dakari Johnson in that class was number 10. That class was loaded. Do we have, you said this is since 03. Do we have an Arizona class in there? Nope. Okay. So we're at three UKs, two Dukes. There's one more? There's one more. Give me the conference. Pac-12. We're looking at uh, Kevin Love. Ooh. More recent. Am I in the right pew? You are somewhat close. Yes. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know that you'll get this one. Not gettable. More I would recent. be surprised. Fired at me. 
2012 UCLA class had Shabazz Muhammad. Oh my gosh. Number two overall recruit. Kyle Anderson, number yeah. three overall yeah. recruit. Yep. 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 I was way down on Shabazz. That was one I had right. Oh my goodness. That one was the wild one on this list, I think. Yeah. Definitely surprised. He me. was a huge deal. That was my first summer in Vegas. Man, oh man. Yes, it was before your time, but there was like a huge deal over like he had like a Louis Vuitton backpack or something like that. Oh, this is a it's funny, it's like not that long ago, but it is it's like an era ago when it comes to like covering recruiting and like stuff with all that stuff. Like it was just wow. Nerland's Noel was number one in that recruiting class. Isaiah Austin, number four. Yeah. Uh, Steven yeah. Adams, number five. Anthony Bennett, number six. Bada bang. Marcus Smart, number ten on that list. Good stuff. That was a that was a good class. Hey, this was a this was a good time, my man. Um, for the listeners, we did this on Monday in particular because the Louisville stuff from Friday carry over, and then we got a Kentucky schedule release, make something out of it, and we went nice and long on this episode for you. Uh, GP will be back next week. We'll get rolling. If there is news later this week that warrants a podcast, you you bet we'll be back and we'll uh, we'll scoot into your uh, into your downloads there. But uh, listen, I'm not going to do the shouts. That's just not my thing. I'm not doing the shouts. I appreciate everyone listening, and I'd rather just ease on out of here. Oh, you want to you want to do an awkward pause to ease it out? <laughs>